Welcome to the Transit Lounge. I'm your host, Chandra. As a recovering workaholic, I want to explore how you can do more of what you love without burning out. I'm on a mission to promote true well-being, the contented state of being happy, healthy, and prosperous. Through interviews with savvy entrepreneurs, authors, and industry experts, we'll share insights, inspiration, and practical tips on how you can be CEO you in the business of your life. Let's go. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Transit Lounge podcast. My name is Chandra, I'm your host, and after a few puppy false starts, we are actually in and recording this interview, and I'm excited to talk today with our guest as part of our interview series to find out about how she made a significant career change to start her own business after the age of 40. Um, I want to say hello to you, Francis Pratt. Fran, how are you? Sandra, I'm really well, thank you. Thank you for your motherly patience with our puppy um, pitfalls. We're going to just see how we go with this interview today, I think. That's fine. <laughs> so, Fran, what about if you get started by just setting up the context of, um, of how you cope with puppies? No, uh, of what is it that you used to do for work and what do you do now? Thanks, Shadra. Um, so pleased to have the puppy here with us today. Uh, so I have been selling for 24 years. So I've spent 24 years um, selling all different things uh, and the last 10 years working for myself. So really before that, I spent about um, 17 years Oh, no, that doesn't make sense. The maths doesn't add up. Good at selling, no good at math. So 14 <laughs> years selling, so mostly in IT. So I sold software, I sold services, I sold uh, internet, cloud, a whole different range of different things to different clients. Worked for a few different companies over that time. I also did a graduate certificate in change management through oh, AGSM. In all your spare time? Yeah. <laughs> well, I didn't have kids. Or puppies. So. <laughs> um, and I also did an MBA part-time at Melbourne Business School. Wow. So are you someone that just really enjoys studying? Well, there's a bit of a story there. Am I allowed to go backwards? Okay. Let's see. So, so I, I'm one of five kids and um, all of my siblings are like brainiacs, right? I've got an actuary and a doctor and a lawyer and a, someone with a PhD and then there was me, right? Oh, and I, I did a business degree, so I was like the black sheep of the family. But then when I was older, I really um, liked learning part-time and applying what I was learning. Mm -hmm. So to me, selling is all about change, changing people's mindsets, changing what people are doing and particularly with technology you're really asking the company and the people inside the company to change mm. change how they're working change what they're doing change a whole lot of things so the change management was a real a really interesting discipline um, and then once I'd done that I kind of really enjoyed applying the theories and what I learned from that and so I thought well what next oh, well I might as well go and do an MBA um, and again, it was that it was it's the learning and the people, definitely, but it's the application of that to what you're doing that's mm -hmm. really fascinating to me. Yeah, yeah. So, and also, I I really love what you say about reframing how you think about 
sales and selling and linking it to change because I think it's a really it's a topic that is fraught with a lot of emotion, I think, for a lot of people. So I'm excited about us getting into a conversation around your relationship uh, around sales and the approach that you bring, because obviously you've done it in various forms for a really long time. So that there there is a um, great amount of expertise and I imagine a lot of uh, passion in that space. So that's going to be interesting. So you were saying that you spent about 20 odd years selling uh, in various forms and roles and being uh, employed in different sales roles, is that right? Yeah, so for the majority of that time it was me as an employee. Mm -hmm. Um, So I was either selling myself or running a sales team or doing both. Mm -hmm. Um, And the majority of those companies that I was working for were small businesses. And I kind of got sick and tired of setting up all their sales systems, making all the changes, getting the sales process like humming beautifully. And then they go, oh, Fran's making all this money. We don't need her anymore. (laughs) Because I set it all up. Mm -hmm. So I was a bit sick of that. And so I was then um, looking around for another job and I um, had interviews with Microsoft and various other people. Anyway, and then this guy approached me and said, would you come and be our sales manager? And it was a, it was a small business. It was kind of on the bigger side of small, maybe a medium-sized business, but I was just so sick of working for owners. Mm-hmm. I wanted to go bigger. Anyway, so I went and had a coffee with this guy and I said, I'm interested if there's equity on the table. Uh-huh. So you upped the ante. Yeah. So he fell off his chair. <laughs> Um, so once he'd picked himself up again, we, um, so there was two existing owners. We kind of came to an agreement, um, and I bought in. So I didn't start, go from being an employee to working on my own and starting my new business. I went from an employee to being a business owner. Um, and I love the, the approach you sort of essentially went for a coffee catch up slash uh, potential job interview and ended up buying part of the company. <laughs> I know it's like that shaver guy, isn't it? Yes. I liked it so much, I bought the company. Exactly. I was thinking of that, and I thought, <laughs> oh, am I too old remembering that? So you you bought in. So I guess you had an operational role, but then you also had your uh, business owner equity side of things. That's uh, right. And so if that's sort of the last sort of chunk of of role that you have what what is it that you do now so um so now i help businesses do all the things that i've i've done for businesses in the past so i help them set up sales processes Mm -hmm. i help them better understand their customers and why they actually buy from them yeah and i help them um set up and get ready and onboard and look after sales people and sales teams Awesome. So you've channeled all of the various experience that you had into now offering that through your own business direct to your clients. That's right. Yeah, nice. So uh, if we go, all right, we can see now you've gone from employee to buying in to having your own thing. I'm interested in, in finding out more about how did it go with the the job interview that turned into equity how was that? Because you you had some hesitation, obviously, because of your past experience with small businesses, and then basically just extracting all of your wisdom and then getting rid of you. 
what was your sort of primary function operationally in that business? So still sales, so okay. I was the director of sales. Mm-hmm. So I kind of did a lot of the same stuff, but at least this time I was profiting from it. Yeah, <laughs> great. So um, I was profiting initially because I was I had to remodel how they were selling mm-hmm. and re re engage with the right stakeholders and and those sort of things. So it was a really that was a really interesting role because it was. Um, cloud computing before the term cloud even existed. Oh, so you were saying that, you know, director of sales, operational role with equity, a lot of work, really setting things up. Uh, how, how did that business go? Yeah, well, it went well. Um, we had to basically restructure. Mm-hmm. So we really made some fundamental um, improvements and understanding around who we were, what we were offering and how that growth model would actually work mm-hmm. in the modern in in the environment that it was in so um yeah that was that was fascinating talk about applying all the things you learn from your mba um <laughs> what a great opportunity though to you know have that real life operational business to apply all the mba theory to oh yeah and i've been very lucky through my life because i've been able to do that since i was in my um, 20s really because my dad also was an entrepreneur and ran his own business okay. and any time we had an idea he'd let us apply it so, so when I was studying <laughs> business at uni I'd do marketing, marketing and I'd come home and go right dad we need a vision and a mission and a dirt dirt and a nerd nerd and he'd just let me go you go okay fabulous. and so it sounds like you know there was a lot of work in that restructure uh, but obviously something happened because you're not still there. What what was it that led you <laughs> yeah, to make the decision to go on your own? I, I was kind of had been there for years. I'd finished my MBA um, and we'd done a lot of the restructure and we had, we were about a $6 million turnover company mm-hmm. and we had this really big client who was worth somewhere 1.82 million so about mm-hmm. a third yeah roughly of our revenue anyway uh we made the decision to sack them they were getting more and more dictatorial around who they would work with inside our organization how they would work with us right and they had the power obviously from a size perspective to do that mm. But what we found over time was that was really taking us away from our strategic direction and what we wanted to do. Yeah. And so it, there wasn't really a um, an, a, a single event that happened. It just became clear. Yeah. Because we'd done all this work on who we wanted to be and what, what that looked like and we were super clear on that. And every time this client, who was a third of our revenue – you know that would distract us mm-hmm. and so you're trying to you know build your new car at speed while, while traveling in another car at speed and then someone else is thank you reverse <laughs> oh yes getting <laughs> into reverse or pulling it off off to the left or something it just wasn't it just doesn't work yeah so um when we called the cio of that company they were publicly listed and um <laughs> And told them you could have heard a pin drop really <laughs> when, when we announced to him that we were sacking them um and they you know we had a lot of infrastructure 
like they had multiple sites. We had all of their internet connectivity, their servers in our data center. We there was a big, it was a big job. Mm. So really, my last job was to offboard them onto their new provider. Mm-hmm. Um, and and how we got to that point was, um, I'm very much about being client centric. Everything to me in business should run around your clients. Um, and I don't mean that the client is always right, and I, this is an obvious example of that. Mm. But I do mean, really, we should be looking at how we service our clients. So the three of us, the three owners of the business, once we got off the phone to the CIO and picked him up off the floor, um, <laughs> basically what we did is we started with the clients. How many clients have we got? What roles do we need to service them? Mm-hmm. What support structures do we need to, to help the people who are actually customer facing? And once we'd mapped out what those roles were without any names, then we went started and looking at the people we already had. Yeah. And filled in the best people to do that role that we had. Mm-hmm. And it became clear that we had some salespeople who were pretty good at, at what they were doing and, and there wasn't really a role for me. Right. And so I was kind of had the whiteboard marker and I was kind of running that session and I basically made myself redundant. <laughs> so, <laughs> but I was actually really happy about it mm-hmm. because even now in my, the um, company that I've built now, what I like to do is I like to go in, I like to create change, I like to help people embed that and I like to get out. Yeah, <laughs> right. And, and that's exactly what I did. It's a bit trickier when you've got equity. I was going to say, was that an, an, a, an interesting conversation to have, especially with you? Like, I'm literally picturing you facilitating this uh, internal workshop of really reviewing uh, your org chart, roles, responsibilities, you know, all that kind of thing, and then having this gaping hole where your name is not appearing anywhere or there's no role that's obvious for you. Was that another pin drop moment or how did that land for both you and for your business partners? I just think, well, by the time you've restructured a business together, you kind of know each other quite well. Mm. Uh, And it was quite obvious what was happening. And so it wasn't a shock to me. And um, I was actually looking forward to it in a funny way. Yeah. But it it was actually, I think it was 10 years ago, like in November when I finished. because. I know. So I went into Christmas with no job. <laughs> Merry Christmas to me. <laughs> I know, but I was just so excited. Mm-hmm. <laughs> awesome. Mad. Awesome. And so, and I think it's really interesting actually, and I'm, I'm sure we're going to get into it with what you're doing now, about that piece of knowing yourself or getting to that place of knowing yourself well enough to see that where you thrive. Yeah, and I think, you know, um, back to your whole concept around the transit lounge and and women at 40 for or for me personally I knew a lot pretty much everything about myself I hadn't had kids at this point so I just do put a caveat mm-hmm. on that because that was a whole other journey yeah um, <laughs> but um I think particularly in a work context I've been working I've, I've, I've done lots of study I I really knew who I was and what I was on about yeah so um, I didn't really have that much fear. And I suppose 
uh, one of the things that has always been part of my life is like I'm quite um, for like I back myself. I'm quite mm-hmm. forward in asking for what I want. Always yeah. have been. Great um, trait to have. Yeah. Well, when I, I'm a twin and my twin sister, when I think we were about twelve or something, maybe I was a bit older. We were a bit older. Anyway, she said to me, "You're dangerous, Fran." <laughs> <laughs> and she <laughs> tell me. And she said, "I know what you know, but when you talk to people, you sound like you know more than you know. You don't lie, but you say things so confidently. People assume you know more than what you're saying." And there is something about a certain conviction in your delivery that brings confidence in other people. So this sure. is obviously and- a life skill you have. That's it, and that is selling. So, <laughs> so, so you went into Christmas. You've made yourself redundant. You're going into Christmas with essentially no job, but you said that you didn't have fear around that. At that point, had you already decided that you were going to start your own thing? Were you thinking about, oh, maybe I'll go and see if I can get a job with a, a big company? What were some of the options that were kicking around for you? Or were you just kind of going, oh, I'm just going to take time off? <laughs> Um, no, I definitely wanted to keep working. I kind of have defined myself by work, mm-hmm. um, which is why the kid thing became a little problematic. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, bless them. I love them. Um, uh, but no, I, I kind of, I knew that I wanted to work for myself. I mm-hmm. knew I wanted to test out um, my metal around starting something from nothing. Yeah. And... I think, but what had I done? Well, I'd spent a lot of time working on what name I was going to call my company. Oh, yes. That is very common from from clients I've worked with and uh, a lot of this interview series. It's one of the things that I think we can just get into this little loop of spending way too long on things that don't actually matter, matter. as much as we tell ourselves they do. Literally, I had an exercise book full of all these different ideas. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I'm quite a fan of Greek mythology. Oh. So I came up with a name of Metasan because Metis, M-E-T-I-S, is the Greek muse of wisdom and good counsel. So I figured if an artisan can do art, then a Metasan, which is the name of my business, can do Metis. Oh, I like it. I know. So I had no idea what I was going to do Metis on. (laughs) But she was Zeus's first wife. And so Zeus used to have all these God problems. And then he'd lie down at night with her and she'd counsel him. Mm -hmm. And then he got worried that she knew too much and so he ate her. As you do. Yeah. And then oh. Athena was born out of Metis, out of Zeus's head, and so Athena is known as Metis's daughter. Oh, we've just had a little Greek mythology lesson. I know. So I, I just love Bonus. it. So I think it, if Nike can do it, if oh. Nike can steal a muse's name, yep. so can I. You can too. Just do it. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> well done, Chandra. <laughs> so you, you started on the name before you knew what your business was going to be. And I had no idea of what I was going to do. So so I did have a break over Christmas and January, got back to work. What is that? No idea. So what I 
literally did is I had an MBA, so I knew I was going to be a consultant of some variety. Mm-hmm. So I just basically went out to my network and said, hey, gun for hire, what's your problem? Yeah. <laughs> what got anything you want me to fix? <laughs> yes, pretty much. And so I did some really interesting jobs. So I, I um, had this one gig where um, <laughs> two board members were actually at nearly killing each other. Right. And so I set up a remediation and sorted all of that out and negotiated and sorted all that out. Did I enjoy it? I did it. I was good at it. Did I enjoy it? I hated it. Mm-hmm. So I thought, right, move on. Oh, good to know. Um, Cross that off the list. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I did various other little gigs and then someone approached me and said, hey, I need a sales process. I went, sales, sales. Yes, I've Hang done Hang on that. a second. I can do that. So I didn't even start out with an intention of focusing on selling. Interesting. But I kind of came back because I was sick of it, right? Like I, yeah. I, I kind of felt like I'd done that. But when I came back to it, um, and this probably, that process probably took me about three months mm-hmm. of kind of trying different things and what problem do you have? Oh, yeah, well, I think I could do this and maybe you should pay me that. And they'd go, yeah, radio. Um, anyway, so then I started doing the sales process work and what was really interesting was about that was um I was working with this client and he'd say to me things like oh Fran you ask the most amazing questions I'd go do I (laughs) tell me about that what makes them amazing why is that good what so he kind of helped me in a sense or my clients all around that time helped me understand what what were the elements of great selling Mm mm-hmm so that I could actually teach those to other people. Yeah, great. So it was it was a big unpacking exercise, really. I love the fact that you used that time as an experiment to test out what were the projects that potentially were available that you could add value to and then, I guess, using them to both figure out what you had some kind of passion or interest around and what you didn't and then using it to refine what it is that you were then going to package up and offer because I think sometimes what can happen is especially for you know the women for whom this podcast series is for we've spent a lot of time maybe in one particular industry one type of role and we can get to a point where we feel like we've either boxed ourselves in so much or that we don't feel like we've got transferable skills or we start to second guess or we can't see, like they say about how how goldfish can't see water because it's just in it. All around them. Yeah, Yeah. I I think that often that can happen is that other people can see our gifts, our skills, sometimes far easier than we can. So I actually love the fact that you used your clients to help reflect that back. But also what I love is that you did take that experimental approach because I think sometimes we can be hard on ourselves and think, well, I've got to know straight away exactly what my business is, who it's for, what I'm going to offer because otherwise it's not good enough or I'm not right or it's not going to work. So I I think it's great to have an example of where you've kind of turned it into a productive experimental phase. Yeah, and I I didn't feel like probably because I'm – you know, a thoroughly trained salesperson, but I didn't feel like I had to do that for free. Mm-hmm. So I, my clients 
um, were they getting value? Absolutely. Was I getting value? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And so now when I teach people about customer interaction, I talk to them about that value tree. Yeah. You know, that, that there has to be value for you. Yeah. If, if you're not getting value, oh my Lord, don't do it. <laughs> yeah. Value for you, value for the team, value for the client, and then value for the community. If you can tick all of those off, and better yet, if you can deeply understand what those points of value are, what you deliver, um, then that's your value proposition. Mm. And it's and it's so much more comprehensive than, you know, we're really great at selling. Yeah. You know, it's actually touching on all of the points of value that you deliver. Mm -hmm. um, and I often think about it like a diamond, right? So you've got a diamond in the rough, which is what you do in your skills. But every experiment that you do or every facet that you open makes the diamond more brilliant mm -hmm. and allows it to shine. So very much back to that idea that you were talking about of that experimentation, um, I think that that's, that's absolutely key. And um, one of the things that I, um, I'm in the process of doing, of writing a couple of books because you don't just start with one. I was just going to say, you wouldn't want to just do one at a time. That would just be silly. Well, I'm, I'm doing zero at a time at the minute, but I've got all these <laughs> ideas that I keep. You're percolating of, a couple at once. Yes. So one's called The Minimum Lovable Product, How to Build Your Business Around Your Customer. Nice. So it's absolutely around that concept of what can I do, not what do I have, not um, what do I think people want, what can I do today? And I think that goes really back to the sales psychology. Like if we think about the, the um, different psychology of marketing and selling – and going back to our comments about, you know, having 100 names to work with, well, that's great. But if you've got no money coming in, you know, whatever. Yeah. But um, so marketing, the marketing psychology says, let me get everything perfect, this email stream, this flyer, this website, this whatever, and then I'll take it to market, right? The sales psychology says, what have I got? Let's take that to market. Yeah. Because as a salesperson, you can't wait for the next brochure. You can't yeah. wait. It, it, it's not about that. And so I think I've really applied that to business more broadly and said, okay, what do I have? Well, I've got my nows. I've got my education. I've got a great network. Let's just go and find out. Yeah. Let's go and talk to people. I love that. And I love that it kind of links back to that uh, self-awareness that you mentioned earlier about your ability to back yourself because I think that some people will be listening to that and be feeling like wow that takes a whole lot of courage to go out to your network of people and say hey I'm not doing this anymore but I'm around as a consultant you know what's going on for you <laughs> like I think a lot of people would um, see that as something that does take a, a great deal of self-confidence to do but I guess it's that belief in the value that you can offer well, and in some ways, back to this sales versus marketing, which is the name of my first book, which is More oh. Sales, Less Marketing. Mm -hmm. so, so I'm not saying stick it on your LinkedIn profile. I'm not saying broadcast it. Mm -hmm. What I'm saying is, huh, I remember talking to Bob and Bob mentioned that he might need some help. I'm going to pick up the phone. I'm going to talk to one person. Yeah. Just start with one. 
yeah. or two mm-hmm. or you know go all out and do three wow go crazy <laughs> so, so really narrow it mm-hmm. talk to people that you know talk to people that you know respect you um Get your confidence by talking to them and then by all means branch out to people you've never met before. But but really, if I think about, again, back to what's the process of selling, if I was to start selling in a brand new company, the first thing I do is go out to existing clients, people who already know, like and love us and understand why. What is it that you like about me? What is it that you think I'm good at? Yeah, yeah, and I think it's, actually so great that you're sharing this because I can imagine there will be people listening who perhaps are still working in a in a current situation whether they're as an employee perhaps and they're they're thinking that their next phase the next chapter they might want to do their own thing and I feel like this network outreach is something that they could be doing with some of those close network at least the conversation parts of it before they even make the decision to leave necessarily it's like a a bit of a research project absolutely and so for me personally I'm I've got a high risk threshold I mean look at my career I've chosen sales I'm I'm good with risk Mm. yes (laughs) so so am I going to choose a risky option or a riskier option than perhaps some other people are comfortable with well probably But if you're sitting there going, oh, my God, I could never throw myself off a cliff and do that, then fine, don't do that. But exactly as Chandra said, you can write down your hypothesis. I reckon I reckon that people might pay me to do this. Mm-hmm. I reckon I, this might be something I'm interested in. And go and talk, go and have two coffees. Just test it out in the market. Yeah, yeah. And you can absolutely do that or... or you know or go and have a sandwich with them or you know go for a walk or it it doesn't have to be here's my marketing brochure here's my website yes like it's it's pre any of that so really if you were more risk averse than someone like me you could have three jobs lined up before you even gave your resignation yeah and uh, what I think too is and it's really interesting particularly for me who sort of does have a marketing background of you know hearing that lens about um, less marketing, more sales, because I think there's there's been such a focus for so long on marketing and marketing strategy, and as you've said, if you're not making any money, then your business is not going to be around for that long, and so to be you know acknowledging that things are going to take time to refine, one of the fast tracks of figuring out is this a viable business is to go out and see whether or not you can get a client. Correct. So I think it's really interesting. I'm going to encourage you. I'm going to keep um, checking in with you about this book because I think that the world is waiting for it. <laughs> Thanks, so, Sandra. <laughs> so what what about so then you've you've used this client experimentation time to refine a bit around, I guess, your approach or your um, methodology around sales. Who is it that you work with now in terms of like your ideal clients? What kinds of, of, of businesses are you working with these days? Yeah, um, that's a great question. So I love the whole concept of growth. So mm-hmm. I'm definitely, um, I'm working with growth businesses. Mm-hmm. A lot of them are in professional services or IT. Yeah. And the types of jobs that I'm, I'm helping them with is kind of that whole journey that I've already discussed with you. So firstly... How 
do I know why people buy from me? So I do deep dive client interviews Mm -hmm. in order to get that whole buying psychology roadmap. Yeah. So I understand what is it that, you know, how do people describe the problem that they have? What does that mean for them? What what even made them have a conversation or think about working with whoever I'm working for? Mm-hmm. Like what what was that what was that turn of the head? And because I want to understand what's that pivot point around the initial engagement. Yeah. Secondly, I want to understand what was that experience like, and what made them move from oh that's interesting to oh yes I'm going to buy from you because I want to understand that pivot point. Then I want to understand the experience of working with this company, um, and all through that, I'm I'm trying to get their logic, their emotions, and their words, so that really that then um, pinpoints and helps us understand and explain what the company does to new potential clients. Mm-hmm. So that really feeds the marketing. Yeah, nice. Um, so that's the client experience piece, and then I help. Um, companies align their people around customer experience mm-hmm. and growth and mm-hmm. business development so I'm for example I'm doing um, a 10-week program with some risk consultants uh, and getting them to turn their expertise into um, getting new clients has been really fantastic so I love doing that I love mm-hmm. working with experts and getting them to re-engage and rethink um how they're going to do, uh, you know, the new client engagements. And one of the guys said to me the other day, it was so fascinating. Um, he said, oh, Fran, who knew this could be so fun and easy? And I go, I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> that must be so validating for you to hear that. That's so good. And just seeing that how much they've relaxed into it and, and, a, um, and all these opportunities popping out left, right and centre, it's just... Um, it's yeah, it's very rewarding. So, yeah. so out of that, we get um, team building, we get the sales process, we get sales tools like proposals, um, uh, capability statements, those sort of things. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, I suppose the next progression is getting a business ready for a salesperson, because putting on your that can be fraught because salespeople are all liars and confidence tricksters and, you know, and, the, and they cost a lot of money and they're different to everyone else in the organisation and there is a lot of points of co- potential conflict. Mm-hmm. So um, I help them understand uh, what a good salesperson looks like for their organisation, how to compensate them, how to explain what the business does to them um, and then how to, once we've found them, how to onboard them and to really mentor both the business and the salesperson into staying, yeah, and 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 being successful. So you're, you know, it sounds to me like one, what you're providing is an incredible service, and the fact that you can do that full journey is amazing. But it also sounds like you work pretty closely and intensively with your clients. How do you balance your workload? Oh, well, I get up early. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So if I've got to do thinking work, because a lot of it is, you know, like the client experience stuff and um, working with people, 
there's a lot of time to go, well, why did that happen and what's happening there and and kind of cracking that code. Mm-hmm. Um, so I get up early. Uh, so I'm normally in the office by five. Don't faint anyone. Um, I think okay. I stopped breathing. Yeah, yeah. But the reason I do that is, A, my brain is excellent in the morning. Okay. Uh, always has been. Um and secondly, the kids are still asleep. Mm-hmm. So I get a good solid two hours uninterrupted, no kids, really good solid thinking time and mm-hmm. working time. Mm-hmm. And then I can swap hats and, you know, do the breakfast and get the kids to school. So really by the time I'm sitting with a client, I'm prepared. Yes, yeah, so you're like lunchtime for you in your brain, but it's only 9 a.m. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. So you've painted a great picture, I think, of someone who has really packaged up a whole lot, decades of, of sales experience, and now you've you've created your own consultancy, your own business. Have there been any challenges or has it all been pretty smooth sailing? Oh, no, lots of challenges. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, I thought it was going to be all hearts and flowers and unicorns. Oh, yeah, no. No, no. So... I had to learn how to work on my own. Right. I'm a I'm an extrovert. I actually um, work better with people around me. Mm-hmm. So if I if I don't set like if I say to you, "Yep, Chandra, I'll get that to you," and I don't set a date and time, then I'm going to get it to you. Then you're never going to see it. Yeah. Right. So I, I'm going to make a mental note of that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so I, I have to um, be very diligent about doing that, um, and I know myself now so much better Mm. Um, but in the beginning I would kind of flop around and um, spend time doing the things I liked which was talking to people and not necessarily delivering on the things that I needed to do (laughs) you know details Um, (laughs) and I kind of also had to learn that I'm not there for the long haul you know I'm not the sort of consultant who needs to stay for two years um, 18 months, five years, it, there's no, there's no, it, it, I'm not saying that I don't deliver value, but there's not the increments of value that keep me motivated. Mm-hmm. And, and so really to me, the longest engagement I have is kind of 12 months. Yeah. And then I have kind of pop in engagements with that, like that client will come back to me and go, I'm doing a new strategy or I'm opening a new office or I'm getting a new salesperson or you know, mm-hmm. I'm always there for those sort of things. But actually that intensive work, as you say, that's got a window um, yeah. so that it, it's delivered. Mm-hmm. And so my my focus is very much on, well, what's happening now? What do we need to change, firstly? Secondly, how do we embed that? How do we make that change not just um, happen inside the client but in a repetitive sense? Mm-hmm. So. So how do I build in uh, client touch points? So again, back to these risk consultants, you know, it's fine while they're working with me to say, oh, they're doing all this great activity. But if that stops the minute I leave, then I haven't done my job. Mm-hmm. One of the key things that I that I am personally motivated by is the ability to influence. Mm-hmm. So, so if I'm in an organization where I don't have influence, then, you know, I don't want to be there. Yeah. So I've got to be working with people who, where I can make these changes and they're invested in it mm-hmm. um, so that so that I can actually achieve for them what and for me um, what I want to achieve because otherwise 
I just get no enjoyment out of that. So I'm very much aimed at kind of medium sized businesses and smaller businesses because I can work directly with the CEO. I can work with their teams and it's very much a hands-on type of thing. Yes, and as you say, your ability to influence is much greater when you, you're brought in at, by someone at that level rather than you know trying to convince up the line. So, Fran, you said that one of the challenges was around learning how to work on your own and knowing yourself around being an extrovert and, and maybe getting a little structure around how you work with de- deadlines and things like that. What, what, what would you say are some of the best things about working for yourself in the business as you've got it now compared to perhaps, I guess, you know, a role that someone might have in an organisation? Well, to me, I get to choose who to play with. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and if I make a mistake around that, it's down to me. Yeah. So I also get to choose when I work. Mm-hmm. So so getting up at 5 a.m., that's a choice. Yeah. But it also means that um, I can go pick up the kids from school. Yeah. Or I can put them in after-school care. You know, like, to me, um, working out that balance, and I don't know that anyone ever has worked it out. Like, I think that's an absolute myth. Mm-hmm. It's, it, it's a continuing journey, the idea of balance. What about one of the things, and I guess you you touched on this by talking about your appetite for risk perhaps being um, at a higher end of the spectrum than what some people's might have been. One of the things that seems to to come up for many women who are thinking about, you know, going out and starting a, a business is the financial questions of will I earn enough money? How do I prepare myself so that I've got enough to survive on until I make enough money? For you, were the finances something that were a factor in, in how you uh, approached the move to the business or were you just taking the back yourself approach and knowing that you would get projects and, and just, you know, fund things that way? I suppose as a salesperson, back to that salesperson psychology, um, to me, if you're doing the right things and saying the right things and doing enough of that, then the money will come. Mm-hmm. I've, I've never really um, felt rewarded by money, and that might sound strange from a highly successful salesperson. <laughs> but I, honestly, my intention was always to look after people really yeah. well, and I, the money that I was paid and am paid is a reward for doing that. Yeah rather than focusing on the money. Um, and so for me, it never was really that important. But it, it is important in retrospect. So what I mean by that is I do look at it and go, oh, I'm being rewarded more or less than I was in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, you know, back to that question of, you know, what is balance? I think one of the things that I perhaps wasn't very good at and perhaps still aren't is to put into that equation all of the other things that I do around church and school and kids and Mm -hmm. all of those sort of things. Um, I I kind of have this mentality that, uh, which is is probably erroneous, so please don't take this on anybody, but um, that I should be able to earn the same amount or more 
and do all of those other things. <laughs> right, all the other, the wholeness of life. Um, yeah. but, but again, I think it comes back to that balance question that at different stages of life, all those different slices of the life pie are going to perhaps have different sizes from time to time. And that, that you know, there's going to be phases where you might be needing to invest and spend more time you know, on the home front or in the community because there's certain things that you're involved with or your your church and religious involvements, uh, sporting things or relationships. Like I think it's a it's a moving feast that, you know, that's where I think it's better to be looking at each of those pieces of the pie and for you to feel like you're having a full and successful life and the markers of that are not necessarily uh, only financial by a long shot what are the things that you want to be spending your time doing and what resources do you need to facilitate that yes and I probably am still not really good at that well (laughs) welcome to the human race because I think you know we, we all go through those those phases but one thing I think that is good to call out is that element of the fact that making this kind of a change to starting your own business can be very exciting and if you have that back yourself gene which i think you need to have to a certain degree as a minimum in order to to start your own business you also do need to be reasonably savvy around the financial side of things that it is a factor and that you need to make sure that you're giving yourself i believe enough buffer and enough cash cushion that if things take a little longer to convert or to become profitable and assume that they're going to take longer than you want them to, that to make sure that you have got resources there to support you because nothing will handbrake your sense of creativity and choice and openness to having conversations with people. Nothing will handbrake that faster than financial stress. So, you know, the I'm all for the rip it off like a Band-Aid and just get started and you'll learn as you go methodology, providing there's enough of a buffer to support because I think it's a mistake to um, back yourself to the degree where you haven't really considered the financial elements. You don't also want to use them as an excuse not to do anything, but you know, it's, it's a, it's a, a point in between that will be different for different people depending on their life stage and lifestyle, I guess. Yeah. And I think that's really good. And I think, you know, that's another lesson that I took from, um, being a salesperson and how that helps non-sales people mm-hmm. is um, really I've got a rule of a third. So if I think that I need uh, $10,000, I'm just going to use that because it's a nice round number, mm-hmm. um, to, I would need to bring in $10,000 next month or next week or whatever, mm-hmm. then I need 30000 in my pipeline because a third will say yes, a third will say no, and a third will delay. Yeah. So, you know, going back to that go and have a few coffees conversation that we were having before, if you've got four, if you need two people to say yes, then have six people who, who might say yes. yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then when two of them say, oh, look, I can't do that now till next year, you're going to go, that's okay. That's the two that delay. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas uh, if, if you need two and you've only got two, every no, every hesitation, every mumble is going to feel like you're being stabbed in the heart. Yeah. I love the fact that you've shared that and I'm I'm a fan of having, you know, some targets around, you know, some tangibles because I think, you know, sometimes we can be a little bit on the um 
naive side of exactly as you said, oh, I need two clients and I'm talking to two clients and think, well, that's enough. And I actually think that it's really good to hear from someone like you about, well, this is a, an approach that I take and that, that works for me. And I think that that's something that uh, is, is a great kind of um, goal to aim for. Yeah, because the last thing you want is that feast and famine, mm-hmm. you know, roller coaster. Yeah, love it. Very good, tangible tips from you, Fran. <laughs> so for people that are listening who want to find out more about you and your business um, and uh, to, to just connect with you, where do they go? How do they connect? So um, if they want to find out more about what I do, then uh, my website is metasan, M-E-T-I-S for Sam, A-N.com.au. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and really to connect LinkedIn yeah. is my platform of choice fantastic and i will make sure that we include links to both of those in the show notes as well so people can uh, find you really easily Um, so fran any final thoughts that you would like to leave us with that if someone's listening who perhaps is you know got a bit of an idea that they they want to do their own thing as their next chapter for their work life but they've got some you know some fears some hesitation is there anything that you perhaps wish that you new earlier or words of encouragement that you would you would offer for them i would just say to you that you know other people who've started businesses have been exactly where you are Mm. and entrepreneurs generally from a psychology perspective are really generous so reach out reach out to people that that you know or even that you don't know and go hey i want to run this idea past you I think that you can help me um, or I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm thinking this, but is that crazy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and, and I would just encourage you to, to build a hypothesis. Mm-hmm. I, reckon, I reckon that people need this. I reckon that this is a problem that people have and this is a solution that they are interested in. And then instead of talking to your mother or your partner or your dog, um, as beautiful as those people and animals are, go and talk to people who might just have that problem and you know what? Ask them to buy from you. Yes. it's. I actually think that is such an important piece and I've actually had recent conversation with someone who's got a business idea, has sort of fully developed in their own mind what this thing is, who it's for and how they're going to make money from it but had not spoken to a single representative of her potential audience. It's so it's so important. Shana. Yeah, and then I cattle prodded her a little bit to do that, and as a result, she had one conversation, and it wasn't as glowingly positive as she assumed it would be, and the impact on her was quite startling in terms of the retreat that she she was like oh well okay so it's not a good idea and so I think that yes because she's so invested in it yes and and I think that that's where don't underestimate the value of having the conversations to test you know that sanity check of is this a viable business is what I think the problem is going to be solved by this solution that I'm creating and don't just ask one person 
you know, no. but, but seek out. So don't, as you said, don't go to that, you know, inner circle of people that are just going to say good things. Actually go to people who, you know, would be in a position to give you realistic market feedback about what they would see value in and what they wouldn't that might help you refine the idea. Yeah, and there's some great um, case studies of people doing just that. You know, I, you might have heard of a business called Airbnb. Ah, yes, I'm sure somebody's mentioned that to me once or twice. <laughs> there's some sort of business. Anyway, when the guys, not when they first started, because um, they, but when they first got serious funding, they did two things. One, they moved to New York because that's where the majority of their listings were. Mm-hmm maybe all of their listings and secondly they stayed on every couch in every room so that they deeply understood the customer experience Mm -hmm. so that and that fueled their growth yeah um and you know our business whatever your idea your business is exactly the same your business will be fueled by clients so Mm. tap into that fuel and build it around them yes so true so i guess you know the the takeout there is um, don't get so precious and fall into that trap of wanting to make sure everything's set up and perfect and having this gorgeous logo and uh, a beautifully built out website and all of those things that we can convince ourselves that we need before we get started and instead actually go out and test the idea get do some research and mm. actually keep refining to see is there an overlap between what I think people want and will pay for and what people will actually want and pay for. Yes, and I think the investment isn't time on your own. The investment is fueled by curiosity. Mm. Nice. Well, maybe that will be our, our takeout word for um, this episode will be about embracing curiosity. Beautiful. Nice. Fran, thank you so much for your time and sharing your excellent wisdom, not only about your uh, journey and process into to working for yourself, but also some, I think, some really valuable insights from a, a sales psychology and a sales process perspective that would be invaluable for anyone going into any size business to really be thinking these things through and uh, that customer centricity and curiosity, I think, are some great little takeouts for me too. Perfect. Thank you, Chandra. Thanks so much, Fran. That's it for another episode of the Transit Lounge podcast. But before you go, I just want to tell you about a great new free resource. If you are early in your business and you want to make sure that you're focusing on the right things at the right time to make sure that your business is profitable as quickly as possible, then you want to go and grab a brand new ebook that I have created, which is called the top four priority focus areas for a profitable first year in business. In this ebook, I have compiled experience and insights from my over five years in business, as well as from more than 40 interviews with successful women in business and conversations with other women in business that are in my network. And I have summarized all that experience into the top four areas that you need to focus on so you can really create a business that delivers the kind of income and lifestyle that you're looking for. You can get that ebook for free at thetransitlounge.com forward slash top four. I'll be sure to put the link to that into the show notes to make it easy for you to get. So go get it, have a read, then come and join the private Facebook group and tell me which one of the four areas do you think you would benefit from more help with. I'll look out for your comment in the group. 
have a great week.